that gives uh, enough time for the worship team to go down and sit down and relax and join us in the Word of God this morning. Um, I apologize ahead of time. If you see that I get, um, I'm not, I'm not feeling well uh, this morning, and so sometimes it feels like my words cross, and it's just an interesting, it's just an interesting dynamic uh, this day. But uh, I, I ask for your prayers. Um, it's not physical, physically that I feel not okay, but. Um, I am really tired. So when I'm tired, sometimes I tend to forget words. And my dyslexia doesn't help with that sometimes. So you, you, you know what I mean by that. So um, I forgot this morning to say that. To, uh, to, so uh, parents, parents, uh, your, your children are going to be practicing for the first 20 minutes right after service. So while some of us are in the meeting, uh, the children are going to be practicing here with Josue and Judith and Evelyn, they are going to have a, a practice. Uh, so, uh, And uh, another thing is, for the ladies, uh, connect with Janine. Ask, if you don't know who Janine is, ask who is Janine, who's leading the Bible studies on, uh, she's leading the Bible studies on Tuesday nights and uh, for, the, for the ladies and also for the conference in January. Um, I encourage you to connect with them. Uh, women's, women's ministry in our church are doing a, uh, a really good, really good job at connecting with one another. Um, well, thank you for joining us this morning as we worship together. That was, that was amazing, the offertory. That was, uh, that was amazing. Jessica, I always enjoy the way you play that saxophone. It's amazing. Uh, this is our second week in our series, Hope for Christmas. So take out your notes. You have your notes and your bulletins. You always get a little bit of an, a little uh, small outline there. Uh, take out your notes from, the, uh, from uh, your bulletins and open up your Bibles in Matthew chapter 1. And if you're familiar with Matthew chapter 1, you might be wondering, what are we really going to see? Are we going to see verse 18 and on? Because it talks about the, uh, the birth of Jesus, the announcement of the birth of Jesus. No, we're actually going to be where you see all those names all the way from verse 1 to verse 16 and 17, where you see the genealogy of Jesus. And you might be wondering, what can we learn out of all those names? It, it feels like we repeat and repeat. Uh, you'll see, you'll see where we're going. Today, uh, the Word of God is going to speak to us about hope. We are in this series about hope, so the Word of God is going to speak to us about hope. Hope is something that uh, we desperately, desperately need in our lives. So, uh, I, was, I was reading a story this week about our, uh, our grandson... Uh, there was one day a grandson came to visit his grandmother. And uh, he knocked on the door and she opened it. And uh, the two of them were walking to the living room and began to sit down and talk. The grandson saw a bowl of peanuts on the table and simply said, Grandma, can I have some while we talk? Can I have some peanuts? And the grandmother said, Sure. And he began to pop them into his mouth, and uh, and the more and the more they talked, the more he popped them into his mouth. And, and these seemed to be the greatest peanuts of all times. He said, "Grandmother, excuse me, I have to ask you the question: Where did you get these peanuts from?" And she looked at him and said, "Well, son, these uh, in reality these are chocolate peanuts." 
covered with, uh, these are peanuts covered with chocolate. And, and grandma is getting also, uh, I don't have any more teeth, so I simply just suck the chocolate out of it. And uh, so you know, you probably know the rest of the story. And uh, he just went, ill nasty, right? The, the, but there is, what's the moral of the story? What's the moral of the story? Things are not always as they seem. Things are not always as they seem. Same is here with us. Same is here with us. We are the people of God. We are God's people. We are people who should have assurance. But sometimes we don't. We are people who should have victory every single day of our lives. But sometimes we don't. Things are not always as they should or what they seem to be. People should have, people of God should have hope because of what our Savior has done for us. Not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is. We could be honest. That's not always the case. Sometimes even those who walk with God have hardships. Is it me or is it just like sometimes the people of God are the ones, it feels like we are the ones who are having the hardest times. Or is it just me? I don't know if you feel that way, but I can, you know, I can attest to that and I can tell you sometimes it feels that way. Things are not always as they seem or as they should be. Especially for the children of Israel, as we were looking at last week, whose God supplied them with all their needs. God had given them uh, had given them all that they needed. And yet they found themselves in a hopeless situation as we were speaking last week about Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2. Where, where the scriptures were telling us that it was dark, it was deep darkness in the land. Have you ever met people like that before? They seem to have everything, but in reality, in their hearts, they are living a hopeless life. People that apparently, they're okay, but in reality, they're not okay. Because things are not always what they seem to be. Things are not always what they seem to be. The people of Israel have forgotten who their God was. Because of their situation. So many times we focus so much on our situation that we easily forget whom our God is. The God of hope. It's so easy to, you know, concentrate yourself so much on the situation that you're experiencing. That it's easy to forget who God is. A lot of times we tend to do the same thing the Apostle Peter did when he walked on water. There's a lot of things that you can do for you, for, your, for yourself, for your family, and, and in the ministry God has placed you in. But, but a lot of times, we tend to do the same thing Peter did. The Bible says that Peter was able to walk on water as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. Once he took his eyes off Jesus, the Bible says that Peter concentrated, began to look at the surroundings. So he was thinking about, the situation, he let the situation take control of what he was thinking and feeling at that moment, and he began to drown. And a lot of times, 
A lot of times the reason we drown in a lot of situations or issues that we're dealing with in our lives is because we're not putting our eyes on Jesus. We're not focusing on Jesus. And so the people of Israel had forgotten that God was the God of hope. God was the one giving them that hope. And in Isaiah chapter 2, when they were living this type of, this moment in history, the people who walked in darkness, God told them through the prophet Isaiah, you will see a great light. They didn't understand. So what do you mean? We're having such a, such a bad time. We're going through a tough time. We're going through a dark time. What do you mean I will see the light? You will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And later on in chapter 9, verse 6, so this is verse 2. And in verse 6, then he tells them that, you know, a child will be born. A son will be given to you, and you will call his name Mighty Counselor, Mighty God. And then and, and he gives him, you know, the, Isaiah gives him all these titles to Jesus. And God was using the prophet Isaiah just to make sure the people, even though they were going through those dark times, that the people will remember who they were in God. A lot of times when we're going through a tough time, it's easy to forget who we are in God. The people were living in darkness, but that's not where God wanted them to stay. God wanted to give them hope. We all need real hope, not wishful thinking. You know, wishful thinking is like when, when, when somebody says, yeah, man, I wish I can win the lottery. That's not real hope. That's just wishful thinking. Real hope is when you trust and believe in what God has said to you, what God has promised, what God has speak to your heart. And, and, and that's going to become a reality. You don't know when, but it will become a reality. And that's what the hope is. If you're an outdoor person and you enjoy hiking, camping, and all those things, that I, I love that, that that kind of stuff. I love the woods. Let me tell you that. I uh, I was in North Carolina this week visiting my mother, and uh, first thing I did, I saw my mom. I ate with her, and then right after that, go 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 do some hiking. Go even though there's you know all the trees are uh, <laughs> there. There's no leaves on the trees right now, but it was fun. But when you when you're, uh, when you uh, love the outdoors, uh, one of the things that they tell you to survive, if you ever get lost in the woods to survive, you got to do four things. Adapt. Number one, you have to adapt to survive. So you have to find food, you have to have air, and you have to find shelter. And after being a hiker for such a long time, I would add one more thing to this. If you get lost, you need hope. If you get lost, you need all those things, but you need hope. You need hope to know that you're going to get out of the mountain if it's dark, which it's happened to me before. It's been interesting. But in hard times, you might have provision for the body. But if you don't have provision for the soul, you'll die a little bit at a time. A little bit every day. You will die. So let, let me say that again. In hard times, you might have provision for the body. But if you don't have provision for the soul, you'll die a little bit every day. And uh, we, we live in a nation that was funded on the premises of liberty and the pursuit of 
happiness, right? Only one person knows that. In the pursuit of happiness, everybody wants to be happy. But sometimes that's not going so great, is it? Sometimes it's not going so great. Uh, Number one category prescription medication. You know what it is? Antidepressants. It's antidepressants. The people are discouraged. The people are devastated. The people are distraught. It is not going well. So there is a lack of hope. There is lust of hope. And and there is longing for hope. The question then becomes, where do you go to get hope? Where do you go for help? Because the truth is, if you look at your circumstances, and, and you look at your future, and then you look at yourself, and then you look at your resources, you will probably be stressed and depressed. We all need hope. We all need hope. And if, if too, we are living in times of darkness, just like the people of Israel were living in times of darkness, uh, where do you get hope? Well, let me tell you something very simple that a lot of times we don't think about. Hope is the byproduct of faith. Without faith, you cannot have hope. And the reason a lot of times we don't have hope it's because we're not, our faith is not as strong as it should be. It, it's, it, it, it's, it's why the Bible, uh, you know, it's like a mother who gives birth to a son, to a child. Faith is the byproduct of hope. That's why in the Bible, faith and hope often go together. Faith and hope, and, and so it, it is cause and effect, it, it is the tree and the fruit. It is a mother who gives birth. So faith gives birth to hope. Hope begins with faith. Hope begins with faith. Without faith, you cannot experience the hope. And that's why this morning is my prayer that, um, is my prayer, uh, that you will come, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you will come to faith. And if if you already are a Christian and you uh, claim to have faith, that you will grow in your faith and that you will leave this place after the service with an increased degree of hope. But if you don't have faith, it's impossible to have hope. So, faith is trusting that God is going to be faithful to take you to the place you and He hopes for you to be in your life. Faith is what gives you the trust and the strength to get to the end of a dark tunnel. It's like going through a dark tunnel. Hope is the light that you see at the end of the tunnel. So I don't know if you ever experienced this where you have to, you know, you have to struggle to get to the other side and you're going through a dark tunnel. And as you're going through a dark tunnel, you know, you need to keep on going. You need to move forward. And sometimes you don't see the end. You don't see a light at the other side. And then you get kind of desperate. You get anxious to get to the other side. But once you see a little bit of a light, once you see a ray of light, that is hope. So faith is what gives you the strength to get through the dark tunnel. Hope is the light that you see at the end. That's why Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Let's put Hebrews 11, 1. It says, now faith is the confidence. Faith 
is what gives you the strength. So if you don't have faith, you ought to make profession of faith. So you can have faith, and then you can strengthen yourself in that faith, so you can experience the hope. Now, faith is the confidence in, in what we hope for. Faith will take you to hope. Faith will result in hope. The stronger your faith, the stronger your hope. The weaker your faith, the weaker your hope. And, and so, now we can understand that the people of Israel... When in Israel, when Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2, uh, now you can understand why they were losing hope. They were losing hope because their faith was weak. They were losing hope because they weren't doing anything. And, and the more they disobeyed God, the more they did whatever they wanted. They wanted to live life the way they wanted, the way they thought it was best. They were walking away from God over and over, time after time. They were walking away from God. And what was, what happened is that they were getting weaker in their faith. And so they were getting weaker in their hope as a result of being weaker in their faith. So they had to have that confidence in that promise of hope that God gave them in Isaiah chapter 9, also in verse 6 and 7 of chapter 9. Why? Because without faith, you couldn't experience the real hope. The people who received the promise had to have faith to get through the hard times. Trusting in God through those hard times, thinking about the hope that He had promised at the end of that dark tunnel. And why was this? Why am I talking about this? Because in Isaiah 9... We talked about last week the anticipation of hope. In Isaiah 9, you know, when Isaiah wrote the prophecy in Isaiah 9, how many years did it take for them to finally get the promise? It took over 700 years. From the moment Isaiah gave them that promise. You know, a lot of times, when we're going through hard times especially... We want God to fulfill His promises right away. When I say, we live in the microwave age, right? You know, we, I, I, was eating some, I was eating something the other day, and it's different when you heat it up on the stove. And you just take your time, and you heat it up on the stove, depending what it is, right? But nothing that you can heat it up on the stove, or you can put it in the microwave, it will never taste the same. But a lot of times we're such, in such a rush about everything that we rather do the microwave thing, right? And, and so when God has, give us, has given us promises, we want those promises. God, I, I'm, I've been praying already for two days. When am I going to get the answer? I've already been praying for a week. When am I going to get the answer? And here are the people of Israel where God is telling them, here is the hope I'm giving you in Isaiah chapter 9. And 700 and some years later... They finally get the promise fulfilled. That's interesting, but, but that, there's even more to that. Because when we get to Matthew chapter 5, there were other people before Isaiah chapter 9 that were also waiting for that hope. Isaiah chapter 9 was not the first time. This was just one of the many times that the promise had been, had been given to them. And just if you look at Matthew chapter 1, we're not going to go over, I promise I'm not going to torture you, so we're not going to go over every single name of that 
list, right, in the first 16 verses. But if you look at the genealogy of Jesus, it starts by saying, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And it goes on and on and on and on giving names. The interesting thing is when you look at the whole chapter 1, you will notice that from verse 1 to 6, it gives you the genealogy from Abraham to David. And in verse 7 through 11, it gives you the genealogy from the time of Solomon, David, to the exile of Babylon. And then verses 12 through 16, it gives you from uh, Babylon, from the exile of Babylon to Mary and Joseph. And what says in verse 17, it says, Does there... Were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David. 14 generations. 14 from David to the exile to Babylon. And 14 from the exile to the Messiah. What's interesting is there is a total of 42 generations that were waiting for that promise God had given them. How many years passed? Hundreds, hundreds of years. And they had not received the promise. Is God going to be faithful to what He has promised? Yes. A lot of times, it's not that God is not going to be faithful. A lot of times, the people of Israel experience those dark times because of the wrong decisions they made. When we make the wrong decisions, when we disobey God purposely, All we do a lot of times is we delay the promises God has made to us. We delay the promises by our own doing a lot of times. And that's what Israel was experiencing here. To the point that even during those 700 years, there was the 400 years of what? Let's see, anybody knows? Silence. There was a time where God even said, you know what, I'm tired. I keep on giving you chance after chance. And and you keep on disobeying me. You keep on doing the wrong thing. You keep on making the, 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 the wrong decisions. Decisions that you purposely, you make the wrong decisions. You know, you, it's not that you ignore the truth. It's not that you don't know what to do. It's you choose not to do what's right. And God says, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna talk to you for 400 years. Sometimes. I don't know if you felt like that in your life any, at any point. Where you feel like, ah, I just don't feel God is talking to me. Because God talks to you. God talks to your heart. God talks to you through the Word. God talks to you in different ways. He communicates with us in different ways. But a lot of times we feel dry. Like the dry, you know, like the, the dry bones. And a lot of times we feel dry. And we feel like, you know, what's going on? And a lot of times God has, God decides, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to talk to you right now because you keep on going the way you shouldn't go. And so the people of Israel were experiencing this. And there had been 42 generations since Abraham. And, and, and they kept on doing the wrong thing. Time had passed. And, and to, trust, to, to, to trust God in the challenging times, you have to have faith. And the more faith you have, the more your hope is going to grow. Faith in what He had promised. What, what do we learn from this passage? What do we learn when we look at chapter 1 and uh, the first 16 verses in Matthew? We know 
the chapter 1, uh, those, that genealogy was given to the Jewish people so they would understand that Jesus, He was a descendant of David through the line of Joseph. But also He was a descendant of David in the book of Luke. He was also a descendant of David through the uh, lineage of uh, Mary. So he was, he had, he was, he had the right to the throne. He was the king. There was no doubt about that. So that's why those chapters were written and the genealogies were written. But when we look at it a practical, in a practical way, we understand what God was doing here. Number one, one of the things that I learned when I read this, I, I learned that God's faithfulness, it's all across generations. God's faithful. God is not going to lie to us. God is faithful. The question is not if God is, if God is faithful. The question is, do we believe God is faithful? Sometimes it's so hard to believe in what we don't see. You remember what Father Abraham went through? Father Abraham, how old was Abraham? Let's see if anybody knows that. Not, not the pastors. How old was Abraham when he received the promise from God? Nobody? He was 75 years old when he received the promise. Ten years later, he still hasn't received the promise. Abraham, you you, you are going to have a child. And your descendants are going to be like what? Like the sand... Everything, you see, it's going to be amazing. There's going to be a great number of people that are going to be your descendants. Ten years later, when he was 85, he still had not had the son. They're like, man, I'm 85. What do you mean I'm going to have all these descendants? Then the wife comes over and says, Abraham. So this is when we don't grow in our faith. When our faith is weak. Our hope is going to be weak in what God has promised to us. That's why we ought to grow in faith. And so uh, Sarah came over and said, uh, You know what, Abraham? Uh, I have my maid over here. And Abraham did never, never complain. I don't see a complaint in the word. Abraham just went for it, right? Had a child with, that, with, with the maid. The child that was not the promise. The promised child didn't come until... 15 years later, a total of 25 years. So let me ask you something. When you get desperate because you're going through tough times, how long are you willing to wait on the promises of God? How long are you willing to wait? Let me tell you, God is never late. It's us who get anxious, desperate. God is always on times. He's always on time. His time is the perfect time. To, to be able to wait during difficult times, it requires faith. Guess what? What was the reason why Zerah and Abraham made that wrong decision ten years later? It was because they were not growing in their faith. Abraham was not the father of faith when he first was called by God. He was actually a, a, an idolater. He was a non-believer. He worshipped false gods. 
And, and then so when we come here, we see God's faithfulness across generations. So 14 generations and 14 generations and 14 generations, God always faithful to His promises, no matter how long they take. His time is never late. He is always on time. The perfect time is God's time. Hope in God's timing. Now the question is, do we hope in God's timing? Do we hope in God's timing or do we want to do things our way the same way the people of Israel did it? When we do things our way, let me tell you, it, we mess it up. So because Abraham and Zerah made a decision their way, they mess it up big time. As a matter of fact, they had a child that was Ishmael. So who do you think are the descendants from Ishmael? It's okay, we're not in politics here. So uh, The descendants of Ishmael are the people, the Arabs. The descendants of the promised son are the Jewish from Isaac. Right? And what happens now? Through the generations, the Arab nations and Israel have been in conflict. They're still in conflict right now. Since then. Because when Ishmael was older than Isaac, he used to bother Isaac a lot. He used to bother Isaac to the point that Sarah said, Abraham, it's your fault this is happening. You lay down with this woman. It's like, you're the one who told me to do it. And so, Abraham sends him away with his mom. Because they made the wrong decision. They failed to trust in the promises of God. That's why this happened. Hope in God's timing. So let me ask you something. And you don't need to say it aloud. Just think about it. What are you waiting on God for? What have you been praying about? What are you hoping for? How long are you willing to wait for God to answer you? He, he, God's patience is at work. How do you learn to trust in God's timing? How do you learn to trust in God's timing? There's one word. You have to have faith. You can only trust in God's timing when you have faith. God's faithfulness, it, 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 will, it will stay through the generations. It, it, will be, it's, it has been demonstrated. His unwavering commitment to humanity, it's always been there. God is so committed to us that He sent His unique Son, our Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ, came to die for us. Because God has a commitment to humanity. God has a commitment to you. Now, Can you answer the same way? Can you tell that? Can you, do you have a commitment to Him? God's patience leads to transformation. So, so uh, th th that's why there's a second thing I notice when I read this genealogy. Because it, it, it's surprisingly for a lot of people, in this genealogy, there are five, five names. At least five names. At least I found five. I don't know if there's more. But I found five names of people you would never think that Jesus descends from those people. 
I don't know if, I don't know, in some of our Spanish countries, some of our Hispanic countries in Latin America, people have the tendency to say, you know, if they see a person, they usually ask, hey, you know, who's that person? Who is their father? Who is he descended from? And then people go like, oh, okay, so he's a descendant from this person with the high position, and people admire them, and they want to get to know them and stuff like that. Um, so if you see Jesus, and you're like, oh, he's a descendant from a prostitute. Or he's a descendant from a woman who lied, and after her husband died, she went and laid down with the father of the guy who died, who was the dad of the guy who died. And that's what Jesus descended, is descended from. Would you be a little confused on that? It's like, how, is the world, how in the world is the Lord, the, the God of the universe, who was born in the flesh, a descendant of those kind of people? Not just that. He was a descendant of David. David was not. He was a man after God's own heart. But he made so many mistakes in the, on, on, on the way there, right? And as a matter of fact, let me show you the five people. Um, let me show you some of these five people. Let's go to the next slide, please. Let's go to the next slide. So we have Tamar. In Matthew chapter, in verse 3 of that verse. This is the woman who, her, 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 husband, uh, her husband died. And the, the law said that she was supposed to marry the next brother. And then the next brother also dies. So she had two people die on her watch. And now the third son, the dad doesn't want to give her the, ter- the third son. And she tricks the dad. She dresses as a prostitute. She tricks the dad. And the dad gets her pregnant. And Jesus descends from these people. Then we have Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. She was open and she was openly a prostitute in Jericho, who helped the Israelite spies. And the interesting thing is that Jesus also descends from these women. Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite. She was not an Israelite. But Jesus descends from her too. Uriah's wife. It's interesting that in, in Matthew chapter 1 verse 6, it, it, it doesn't call her Bathsheba. It calls Uriah's wife. Who was Uriah's wife? Uriah's wife was Bathsheba. Solomon's mother. How did she become Solomon's mother? Because that was, if it was Uriah's wife, how did David get her pregnant? Right? So David lay with the woman, and then she, he sent her husband in the front of the army of Israel so he can get killed. So, I mean, we can keep on talking and talking about all the imperfection on these people, Manasseh. He was a king of Judah, but he was known by such a weak, wicked king. He, was, he had a wicked reign. He was wicked. He was a bad man. And what's interesting is, a lot of times, we, we don't think about this, this, these details, but we can easily learn that God's hope is there despite of our imperfections. God's hope is there despite of our imperfection. God gives us hope by showing us that He can use imperfect people 
to accomplish His perfect plan. You and I are imperfect. A lot of times we might think, you know what, I'm not worth it. I'm not going to do that. I I, I had people before say, Pastor, I I would like to get baptized, but I don't want to get baptized until I get better. You know what I tell them all the time? Say, you're never going to get better. If you're waiting until you get better, it's not going to happen. Because we're always going to struggle with different things. I mean, is is life going to get better? Yes, it's going to get better because you're walking with the Lord, because you're growing in your faith. But a lot of times people think that they need to become almost perfect before they get baptized. They almost, no, 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 no. God uses all kind of people. All these people right here, they were not people who the people of Israel would be in support of being the lineage of the Messiah. But Jesus, but God decided, I'm going to use imperfect people and I'm going to put them in the genealogy of my son so that the world knows that I don't accept perfect people. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, I did not come for the perfect people. If you believe you're perfect, if you believe you don't make mistakes, God didn't come from you for you then. He came for those for those who are imperfect. He came for those who struggle like you and me. He came for those who are going through tough times and we struggle through tough times and we have to trust in God through those tough times. That that, that is the reason why Jesus came. He didn't come for the perfect. He didn't come for those who believed they were righteous. He told them that. So when I look at the genealogy, when the birth of Jesus was going to be announced... Our flaws do not disqualify us from being part of God's purpose. It is important to note here before we finish that these people experience redemption. And they play a significant role in the ancestry of Jesus. And it shows us that God has the ability to transform lives. God's patience through the generations... Leads to transformation. God's patience through generations leads to transformations. Faith brings hope. And then hope is announced when he says in Matthew chapter 1, this is right after the genealogy, he says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. After what? After a long period of waiting. Don't get anxious. Don't get surprised when God makes you wait. Because when God puts you in the waiting room, you know what God is doing? When God puts you in the waiting room, God is preparing you for what He has for you. So don't get anxious. Another thing we can see is that God's patience leads to transformation. So through the generations, He transformed some of these people who were going to be part of the lineage of our Lord Jesus. And it doesn't matter how imperfect you are. God can transform your heart too. But you have to start by having faith. Faith that will give birth to hope in your life. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much, Lord, today for your word. 
Lord, we just want to pray that we will be able to grow in our faith. Because if we grow in our faith, we will be able to grow in our patience to wait for the right time, which is your time. If we grow in our faith, we will be able to experience hope. And if we grow in our faith, we'll be able to walk with you, listen to you, and submit ourselves to you. Lord, we pray that this week we will be able to go home and just think about what we talk about today. Help us. Help us understand what your will is for our lives. Help us to keep our hope that we can change as individuals. Help us to keep our hope that we can change with our families in our relationships, in our workplace. Help us to grow in our faith, not to give up. And to keep on walking with you, Lord. Whether it takes days for you to answer our prayers, or whether it takes years, only you know the perfect time and only you, only you can transform our lives from being these imperfect people to fulfill your perfect will. We thank you for being our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.